That's right, it's 8.50 and we are back here on the third floor, 15 Prospect. How's everybody doing? Listen, we brought a guest back. He's back up in Candyland for his first time in about six years. His name is Brett Froll, standing about five foot six and a solid buck sixty-five, and he's bringing us today some knowledge we haven't even heard of yet. As baseball fans, sportsman fans worldwide, worldwide, you're gonna want to hear this. Brett, what do you got from us? So, <clears throat> everybody's been deprived about baseball lately, um, and the MLB is currently searching for ways that they could possibly get a season going. So, one of the rules. Uh, one of the um, proposed ideas they had was taking the teams that spring train in Florida and in Arizona and creating two different leagues. So they would name these leagues the Cactus League for the tra uh, spring training teams in Arizona and the Grapefruit League for the leagues in, uh, in Florida. So the Cactus League, three divisions would be broken up like this. Keep in mind... No American League and no National League. So, for your Cactus League West, we would have the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Los Angeles Angels, the Chicago White Sox, Cincinnati Reds, and Cleveland Indians. Now that, whew, that's a Talk about right a division. Jeez. Then we move to the Northwest of the Cactus League where we see the Milwaukee Brewers, the Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, San Diego Padres, along with the Kansas City Royals. And we move to the Northeast where the Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants, Oakland Athletics, Arizona Diamondbacks, and Colorado Rockies would finish out the three divisions of the Cactus League. Cactus League looking strong, sharp, just like a cactus. <laughs> then we move to the Grapefruit League. In the North, World Series favorite New York Yankees, followed by the Philadelphia Phillies, Pittsburgh Pirates, Toronto Blue Jays, and Detroit Tigers. Sounds like a cakewalk. To me. Then we move to the East. Talk about a division here. Washington Nationals, New York Mets, the Cheaters, the Houston Astros, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Miami Marlins. Oof! And finally, for the last division of the Grapefruit League in the South, you have the Atlanta Braves, Tampa Bay Rays, Boston Red Sox, Minnesota Twins, and Baltimore Orioles. Now, when you look at those, you got to keep in mind that with this whole coronavirus dilemma, these teams wouldn't be traveling from Florida to play the Arizona teams, and the teams wouldn't be traveling from Arizona to play the Florida teams. So it would be much like all three divisions of the Grapefruit League would play each other, and you know you have your division winners, your wild card, and same thing in uh, the Cactus League, and then... Hopefully by the time this regular season's all done, we can come together for playoffs where we have the winners of each division play each other. I think Mikey B here, by the way, third floor. Um, I think they would just be modeling that after the spring training system that they have in place right now. You have the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. And I don't think that the teams that play in Arizona travel to Florida and the teams that play in Florida travel to Arizona. I think they pretty much stay there. So I think they would kind of just make, I guess, a continuation of spring break play, but it would count as regular season games. I mean, of course, this is all speculation. We have no idea if or when baseball or any sports will resume due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but what do you think? You were talking about the Yankees division. Uh, we're also joined here by 
Brett Froll's friend accompanying him from home in Long Island, Ryan Bess. Bessmer. Bessmer. Ryan, it's a pleasure to have you here, Ryan. How do you feel to be on the show? Good. Um, Ryan, big Yankees fan. Brett, big Yankees fan. And, of course, Mike, big Yankees fan. What do you guys think about uh, the division setup? What do you like for your chances in that? It's cakewalk, Mike. Cakewalk. I mean, to that's cake, very. Come on. That's the easiest. <laughs> that's a very that's the easiest division. Well, doable on, division. Pa- on paper. You start off with the Tigers. I mean, come on. They were terrible Mike. last year. You think they just randomly went into and like drawn out yeah, of a I hat? That's the thing. Or maybe perhaps like they actually did model it after spring training. It could be. Are... It, now, what I think about it is a lot of a lot of the teams in Florida they don't play at the same facilities. They're from certain regions of Florida. Oh yeah, Florida, Florida, Florida. Maybe what they did is. I'm I'm assuming that they took all the teams that would be in the division that are closest to each other so that they could put these okay, divisions together sense. without limit without, the traveling, yeah, limit the traveling. Limit or, traveling. Or or here's a here's an idea. Maybe for once the MLB feels bad for the Yankees and <laughs> thinks they were robbed of a World Series last year and they just want to make it as easy as possible. I mean, that's just all speculation, but I mean Good God, those Houston Astros. That's a that's a tough division. Talk about last year. What about in 2017? Here's a serious question. When did the Yankees play the Astros? <sighs> that's a good... That's a good... All right. When did they play the Astros? That's a, that's a good... Uh, they're going to need SWAT at that game. They're going to... Oh, yeah. my. If, if no fans, fans are allowed. Well, no, no, fans. no fans, it's going to be... Fans are no fans. And I, I mean, after everything that occurred this off this off season with discovering you know, that no they actually either. cheated, yeah. there's going to be bad blood... What are those fans? I think guys not? are getting plunked. I oh, think definitely. You're gonna see a roll this Chapman throughout the season, plunked. not even just that oh, game. Yeah, I think throughout sure. the season, Astros are. Uh, well, we saw what happened plunked. in spring training. It was. It was. There was no doubt about it. That those guys were being targeted in spring. Yeah, training. I think this is gonna be the first time ever we're gonna see such a, a focus on the team overall hit by pitch stat throughout the season. And you know, nobody like just because this whole coronavirus thing. Nobody's gonna. Nobody forgot about this. This didn't just go away. These guys are probably so upset on the Astros in the Astros organization that one, yes, the season has started, but two, if the season has started already, maybe the hit by pitch total like would have hit its peak maybe by now, and like then everyone you know like would have calmed down with it. But no, these guys, they're uh, they're screwed. Yeah, it's just boiling. It's just boiling. Oh, it's. I think. What adds more fuel to the fire is the fact that the MLB came out and announced that whether the season goes on or not, it counts as AJ Hinch's suspension. That's going to, I mean, Definitely if there's no season, if there's no season and this guy comes back next year, it's like he didn't even serve his time. It's going to just make players, people even more, even more upset, disgusted, nay, all the above. What do you guys think about the punishment? The overall punishment too light, too harsh. Not enough. Where's yeah, Corey's punishment? Definitely not enough. Definitely not enough. What's Corey getting? Yeah, he was involved too. Oh Corey. yeah, there Corey was Tron. a lot. I heard on I, the Red Sox. I feel, I feel like we haven't heard the whole story maybe yet. Yeah, definitely not. Story. And I think that there's more than just this team. Just like you know, we saw earlier. Wow, I guess last decade, um, the Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints, NFC Championship. Oh. New Orleans Saints get caught, brown, uh, excuse me, the bounty program. Um, I think yeah. a lot of teams do it. I think they oh, got easy. caught. I think other teams in Major League Baseball have probably done this, and the Astros got caught. And now, does the league set an example? Are they setting an example? Well, a like, lot of people no in the league don't. They, like, they cheated and, and they talking? profited off of it. What they, are we talking about right now? These guys came out and basically said they were cheating. Altuve, when he hit the home run, 
They told him not to rip his jersey because he was wearing a piece. I mean, come on. Like, you're asking for it. You're lit- you're asking for it. I don't like that garbage excuse that Carlos Correa threw out about his tattoo on his collarbone. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, my God. All right, let's talk more baseball here. Yes. Let's. Why don't we go around? Uh, actually, I'm going to ask you guys a question that we talked about on an earlier episode. Face of New York baseball right now. Oh. Ooh, I mean, mm. it's tough. And when I... Okay, we'll do... Because face in my opinion, is different from who you think the best player is. All right. right. If I'm going to say face, I'm going to say Aaron Judge. I just feel he draws the most attention from everyone around pretty much I, I think it's between be. Judge and Alonzo oh, for I, face. Oh, 100%. 100%. Alonzo off the hot seat. Yeah, they were good first rookie Of year. course, but regardless, going regardless, into this yeah, season, yeah. him and Judge, I would say, are the face. I would right. say the, the biggest storylines come from around, you know, I think there's a, there's a difference between... Biggest face, best player, and biggest storylines. If you're talking biggest storylines, I would say it's got to be Garrett Cole coming to New York, and it's got to be... That record contract. I would, I would say uh, something that's been going a lot on with the Mets a lot that I've heard a lot of talk is Cespedes coming back. A lot of people think he's going to have a huge yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, and Cespedes, he's looked, he's looked... New manager. Yeah. Two new managers. <laughs> right, two new managers. <laughs> Haven't even had a season have two new managers. <laughs> But I think that, like we said, between Alonzo and Judge for face, and I think Jacob DeGrom, man, I said this on the last show, back-to-back Cy Young Award winner. They no, give he's this out. He's, he's going for a third, and it's a shame that the New York Mets are wasting his talent, and he doesn't necessarily have the wins to sh- back up his ERA and his strikeouts and just how dominant he is every time he's on the mound. But the guys won back-to-back Cy Young Awards, best pitcher in the league, uh, and if anyone wants to argue that with me, I'm here for it. And for a cheaper cheaper price. Uh, yeah. I agree. I actually saw a video the other day on Twitter, perfect video summing up Jacob Duran's career as a Met. It was a guy who was stacking a, a thousand cups, and it said the <laughs> yeah, Mets trying to put the finishing touches on a ma- uh, immaculate Jacob Duran performance, and the guy's putting the last cup and on from the ladder and falls right into the cups. <laughs> that last cup? That it. last cup? Is the New York Mets bullpen? That's what that last cup is. Edwin Diaz in general. <sighs> couldn't couldn't agree with you more there, Mike. Oh my god! Difference. All right, here we go. Let's talk football. Our guest Brett Froll here, a big big Jet fan like myself, and his good friend Ryan Besmer is a big Giant fan. And we got a uh, we got an Eagle matchup here on two on two. So Brett, what do you think? Who are we drafting? So, uh, you know, it's up to two positions. As a Jet fan, you look at it. You have to build around the guy you traded two second-round picks for to move up three spots in a draft. And quite frankly, the Jets have done absolutely zero to help Sam Darnold. Absolutely nothing. Couldn't agree more with you, Brett. The help this guy gets is absolutely disgraceful. The fact that we fired Todd Bowles and went out and hired Adam Adam Gase. Are you kidding me? The worst play caller in the NFL. The guy has no clue what he's doing, but he's going to be gone next year anyways, and Greg Williams is going to be our interim head coach. So moving forward, I will say I think Joe Douglas has done a good job of saving money and putting better pieces in front of Sam Donald. All right, you know, Brett, keep going. Nail on the head, kid. So with that being said, 
it's not even not even a question that our receiving core is absolutely depleted and pitiful as well. Uh, you look bunch we, of tier two, tier three, washed up uh, receivers. Jameson Crowder is good from the slot. Rashad Perriman was good for five games, and we signed him for some Demarius reason. Demarius Thomas. Uh, I've heard that name about six seasons. So, people talk C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Are these guys difference makers? <laughs> these guys are. I mean. Whoever gets these guys is getting number one receiver from day one. They're so dynamic. But the Jets have no... They don't have that solid anchor of a left tackle. Like when they drafted DeBrickashaw Ferguson, he held down the left side of the offensive line for 10 solid years. Three-time All-Pro. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more out of the guy. This is... is, You know, Brett, this is the problem that we're seeing. You know, we were... We were so selfish with the line we had back in 09, 10, that we had a we had a fabulous line and now, you know, a guy who so Mark Sanchez, everyone they made him look like he was, you know, the next big thing and Mark Sanchez has done uh something that, you know, not a lot of quarterbacks get to say they did in their time and that was going to Indianapolis and defeat Peyton Manning and the Colts. And then go into Gillette Stadium and defeat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Back to back games. And you know, I, I personally think you give you give Sam Darnold that line, that Hall of Fame line, and I think you see uh, um, a different side of Sam Darnold than most New Jersey, New York fans are used to seeing. So when you break that down, right, Mel Kiper. The NFL draft analyst always, always um, talks good about these first-round guys. And the first thing he said about Sam Donald was, when he came out, if you give him a pocket and time in the pocket to maneuver, he does really special things. And when he's had time in the NFL, he's shown that. But we can't even give this guy a fair assessment because he's running for his life back there. So, you know, you figure... Maybe two of the tackles be off the board. If, if well, hypothetically speaking, I expect Jedrick Wills to be off the board, and I expect Tristan Wirfs to be off the board. But Benton, you, McCoy, you look at you look at when the Jets are picking. You could have a six foot eight, three hundred and fifty pound guy who moves like a well, not like quite like an NFL wide receiver, but like a freak athlete that is a powerful run blocker and. If he develops in the pass game, not that he's not good now, but to be an elite pass blocker, you have a left tackle for working with your quarterback for years to come. And at this point, I think I think it's so much more valuable than any of those receivers because you, you could get a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round. This guy's 6'4", 220 pounds, and he's played with Sam Darnold before. Not to mention he was a walk-on, so he, he proved his way into the NFL. And, you know, I feel the Jets have two third-round picks. You go receiver again. You, this is the year you have to solidify that line and start surrounding your quarterback, who you believe is going to lead your franchise to the promised day, hopefully sooner rather than later, now. I got one more Jets question for you, Brett. If you could give me a combo of quarterback, running back, one wide receiver. Jets all time. Oh. Who are your three people? Well, you're gonna start off with Broadway Joe. Come on now. There's no there's no question. Joe about it. Willie. 
Uh, I'm going running back. I'm going Curtis Martin. One of yes. the best to ever do yes. it. What's he, number five on the all-time rushing list? The all right. A freak. All right. Who's our wide out? And our wide out. Well, you look at the Let's, Jets. let's toss around some options here first. Um, first person that comes to my mind, I got Wayne Corbett. Yes. Easy. Okay. Hands down. Yeah, you could go Winker Bet. Jericho Cotter. Jericho Cotter. I you love Lavernius Coles. Laver- you look, yes. <laughs> you look at all these guys, you're not looking at those big, tall guys. You're looking at slot receivers. Yeah. Can they really step in and be a number one wide receiver? Maybe if they're playing with Tom Brady, another big guy. I don't I don't see it. Um, you got Broadway Joe. You yeah. got Curtis Martin. Who's your receiver? Greatest Jets receiver of all time, in your opinion. So, if we're talking greatest Jet receiver of all time... You're going to go back to the great Don Maynard, which is a long time ago. But he's not my pick because I don't think he's the most talented Jet receiver. Okay. Which would be Keyshawn Johnson. Wow. Wow. What a pick. Keyshawn Johnson. Wow. Keyshawn, if you're listening. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to Brett's specialty, which the rest of us here on the show don't know much about. So this is a treat. Uh, learning experience. Let's talk some UFC. I know recently they fighting. Were... Thank you, Mike. They were the most recent sport to cancel an event. I believe it was earlier this month in April that they canceled an event set for April eighteenth. It was what's today's date? The nineteenth. Oh. Oh, it's today. It was supposed to be today. It was supposed to be tonight. Yeah, it was supposed to be tonight, and they canceled it, oh, I believe. this is why you wanted to come back up. You want to watch this fight? I yeah. Now, yeah. The day after, it instead, got canceled. Instead, we're up here talking about how it got canceled. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, give me some insight. Who was supposed to be fighting tonight? What was supposed to be going on? Well, perhaps the most... This fight has been scheduled five times, and it has not happened. Um due to injuries, backing out, and it's just, it's pretty ironic that this whole thing is going on right now because it's just another way to find the cancel this fight. But you're supposed to have the lightweight title fight between undefeated uh, champion Khabib Nurmagomedov and his challenger, Tony Ferguson, who has won, like I believe it's 12 or 13 straight fights in the OC, wow. who just absolutely dismantles people every time he walks on the octagon. When's the last time Khabib fought? Little, it's been a little while. It's it's been some time. Um, he fought. Fought McGregor. Say, he beat McGregor. He beat McGregor, and then he defended his title against Dustin Poirier. Okay. Not too long ago, I believe that was this fall. Okay. Um, and yet again, he's just a freak. You don't you don't see elite level wrestling like he has. He just takes down people and pounds them to a pulp every time he steps up. You know, steps in that octagon. And you look at the guy like Tony Ferguson, it's just a guy who doesn't know how to lose. And I think the biggest challenge in that, you know, going looking into that fight would be would be the fact that Khabib has great wrestling and Tony Ferguson background comes from wrestling, but his jujitsu off his back is is incredible. Would he find a way to submit Khabib? You know, these are all things it's, it would have been a stylistic, crazy match to watch and it's a so real tactical a real tactical, you know, hands on. Kind of brawl. Who do you think wins that fight if it happens tonight? Oh. Come on now, Brett. Lights are on bright. Who am Vegas. I picking? You know, you go 50-50. I, I love watching Tony Ferguson. All right. Before you... Who's favored? Who's favored in the fight? Oh, it's Khabib. He's never lost a fight. Okay, hands down. What's he favored? So, I don't know. His eyes off the top of my head. Okay. Right. But I would say I would say it's it's a decent amount. He was favored. 8-1, to 7-1. Yeah. So, speaking of that, um, this... This whole thing that we're talking about now 
it 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 becomes ironic because you go back just just a week ago or maybe two weeks ago now, and Khabib lives in Russia. Um, before his fights, he does camps in San Diego, California, at AKA American Kickboxing Academy. However, <clears throat> he left AKA and went back to Russia and got stuck there. And the UFC tried to push through and get this fight done. So they were going to have an interim title fight between Tony Ferguson and the number four ranked contender, Justin Gaethje. And for those listening to the show who might not know what interim means, the, pretty much the undisputed champion of the division is either hurt, can't, can't fight, due to something like the coronavirus. So they have an interim belt where two of the top contenders at the weight class fight become the interim champion sooner or later they unify the belts with the undisputed champion to revisit what we were talking about earlier the odds for the khabib tony ferguson fight were khabib at minus 315 wow as a favorite three to one and ferguson coming back at plus 265 i think i would take ferguson to be honest nah, i mean 315 that's not bad i mean those aren't those aren't bad odds like, those are not bad odds. like i said you you know you throw all the, t- the stylistic matchup in there between the two guys and it's really interesting but then again you, you just look at people have said that about khabib numerous times and he's just absolutely pummeled everybody that he stepped in the ring with including everyone's favorite overrated fighter conor mcgregor wow. now which brings me to my next question for you brett Phil. conor mcgregor is overrated to you interesting so, the guy knocks out Cowboy in, what was it, 40 seconds? 40 seconds. Okay. And then he goes out and he calls out Mazadov, uh, with Mazadov, right? Jorge Mazadov? Yeah. And Khabib. Uh, does he take... He had Obviously, he had to fight Ma, uh, Mazadov next. That was his next fight, and then Khabib after. Does he take down Does he take down Mazadov, or is, does, he be, does he lose? Uh, personally, I think Mazadov would be too big for him. Um, that last fight where you saw him fight, he fought at 170, but... Uh, I mean, you look at the top guys that division, and they're just beasts. They, you know, I feel like they'd make they dwarf McGregor. Uh, we really haven't even seen what McGregor is fully capable of at lightweight. Yeah, he came in, he beat Eddie Alvarez in one fight, and then the guy was sort of poof gone forever, and he got stripped, suspended, the whole thing with Khabib, and then his next fight at 155 was against Khabib Nurmagomedov, who absolutely destroyed him. Then you bring in the whole Mayweather situation where he was just doing that to make money. Oh, yeah, of course. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, the, the UFC's not stupid. They're smart by scheduling those big fights with McGregor. Right. But, they know. But what is it really doing for him? Of course, he fought at 145. He was one of the you know bigger fighters at that weight. And the power he was able to carry there was incredible. He knocked out Jose Aldo one punch in nine seconds. Uh, or 13 seconds. And then he got goes up to 155. Beats Eddie Alvarez, who is the current champion, easily. But then other than that, I mean, we've seen him fight Nate Diaz at 155. Got choked out. Nate Diaz is a beast. Nate Diaz is a beast. I would would love to see a third fight between them. I don't see why the UFC can't make that happen. I I think what the UFC should try and target after this whole coronavirus pandemic, because the UFC is targeting a May 9th card. That would feature the Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson interim title fight. Isn't I don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, I agree with you. Way, I agree. Way too soon. Uh, I mean, you could talk. We could go on talking about another title fight in there between Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz at bantamweight. But realistically, none of this is gonna happen. The best thing for the UFC to do with all these guys instead of just trying to come up with fights would be 
once once we come back to normal, the Khabib Ferguson fight has to happen. You know, these two guys are healthy. And if it wasn't for this, quite frankly, we, we finally would have gotten to see that fight. And you move on. Justin Gaethje, who, who's, you know, one of the craziest fighters in the UFC, always getting a crazy knockout fest, whether he's getting knocked out or knocking someone out. And Conor McGregor has to, I feel like he has to prove himself one more time at 155 by taking out a top contender before getting more. Khabib. Because... People are going to buy the Khabib card, but are you really helping McGregor's legacy by just giving him one fight after that, letting him win in 40 seconds, and say, okay, we'll give you a rematch with Khabib now? I feel like he has to earn it. I see what you're saying. He's got he's to take down a couple more guys before he can be like, all right, now you can get your rematch with Khabib. 100%. Uh, Brett, I want to thank you for the insight on this UFC topic because, like I said, we are all learning here, so we appreciate it. My last question about UFC, and my job here is to stir the pot, perhaps. Ah, uh, there it so is. So UFC recently, like we said, canceled their event. My question to you is, why is UFC canceling when in one card there's approximately, what, how many fights? Five? Uh, for pay-per-view, five. There's okay. like five on the undercard. So, so five, ten people altogether? Not allowed to happen. WWE Wrestling... Way more than 10 people participating in a night allowed to go on without a hitch. I mean, no fans, of course, but you want to give me some maybe theory behind why you think, you know, that's the case? Yeah, so, I mean, there's no question that um, the WWE obviously requires a lot of guys to go out there and know what they're doing. But I would say, you know, the UFC hasn't been approved like uh, Mike, what's that? They're in Orlando, right? They've been approved in. They're in the uh, they're, they're so they're in their performance center. So this is where they train. This is where like, they uh, like develop like their young guys or whatever. This is like you know where these guys try to get into NXT. Like the, you know you come to the performance center. It's built. You get five rings in there, and now it's just it's the uh, it's the arena that's set for you know Monday Night Raw and uh, Friday Night SmackDown, and it's owned by WWE, which is important to note. And the governor, he, he just Rob, passed the law, right? Rob DeSantis and the governor of Florida uh, stated that WWE is considered an essential business. Because, um, I personally think that uh, Vince McMahon stuck his nose in there and pulled some strings and probably yeah, gave agree. Rob DeSantis a nice chunk of cash I just for don't, an exchange. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the fact that WWE professional wrestling is essential to the economy of the state of Florida. If it's essential to the economy of the state of Florida, first of all, that's an issue in itself. And second, <laughs> why would it not be essential to the economy in other states around the country? So I really don't see, I agree with you. I think Vince is pulling some strings. It's all politics, of course. And I think that's why WWE is the only, I mean, not, yeah, not, sorry, Mike, but not really sport entertainment. Jeez. Oh that's closest happening thing to sports. Yeah. Closest, closest thing to sports. sports. Yeah. That's going on right now. Um, but then you get back to the UFC theory and why the WWE is allowed to go on and the UFC is not. Um, you know, you look at, you, you, obviously there's a lot of the guys in the WWE. Obviously they all work out, do steroids. Well, Easy. I wouldn't say do steroids. All right. Take supplements. They, you know, they want to look their best. They train for it. But you look at the UFC and these guys, they go through training camps, diets, and they're going through, through the real thing. They're they're not 
getting staged to go out there and fight with someone. They're going out there with a game plan to punch someone in the face and knock a person or choke a person all, unconscious. Like Brock Lesnar could have handled WWE because he was wrestling. You bring up a good point. You know, he was wrestling 250 matches a year. A UFC fighter who, you know, fights pretty much every card. How many times is he really fighting a year? Oh, I mean, it depends how active they're going to be, but usually... Two to three. Yeah, most. I was going to say no more than exactly. Most. So Brock could train. That's the thing. He was a private guy, and he trained, you know, for three, four months, and then only fought twice a year. And even now, when he came back to WWE in his contract, the big stigma on him is he, when he was champ, and which is eighty five, ninety percent of the time, he doesn't, um, he doesn't, he doesn't defend it a lot. Yeah, and he holds on to it because he he'll only fight once every two pay per views, which is like once every like sixty days. Yeah, and you bring up a guy like Brock Lesnar, just to carry off that uh, NCAA wrestling champion, by the way. Absolute freak of nature. Only NCAA wrestling champion, only UFC champion, and only d- ever WWE champion. Crazy crazy fact of the day for you right there. But this guy... Absolute um, menace. You look at him and you know you think this guy wants to be out there in the spotlight and everything like that. And he doesn't. This is a guy that doesn't. He hates. He hates. Kind of, he, has own, he has his own private jet with WWE. He didn't want to talk to anybody. Which is a- absolutely crazy to think about. People, you know, see his personality and stuff like that when he goes out there and puts on an act. And this is a guy who loves being to himself. It's amazing that kind of personality has earned Vince McMahon's respect to make him... A champion who doesn't have to fight, and he Vince McMahon essentially is playing by Brock's rules. Easily, he came out and said that Brock gets special privileges, and he does. Which is which is very very interesting because Vince McMahon carries his persona of you know the classic you're fired and boss man in charge, and you know to have Brock Lesnar be calling the shots well, in that like, situation is is interesting. The same thing. You look at the UFC, and you know Fans Dana White. Brock. Dana White will never admit that he's given special privileges, but. You look at guys like Conor McGregor, a guy who, you know, earned his way, but as soon as he earned his way, got to the top, got to his money, totally, totally went absolutely bonkers, throwing a hand truck through uh, a bus window in Madison or in Barclays Center and getting arrested, smashing phones, punching people's and punching an old man in a bar, and a guy like John Jones, who is the best fighter to walk on this planet, who has messed up drugs drunk driving who just got caught busted uh, driving drunk again during this corona pandemic no less how can you drive drunk during this corona pandemic have you lost your mind but these guys are what draw people to the ufc and as much as dana white will never admit it these guys get special privileges just like brock lesnar does now for all i have to touch on the special privileges thing um a a former guy in the ufc who is now signed with wwe and is a uh Phenomenal star on NXT is one uh, Matthew Riddle, and Matt Riddle. Uh, what was that? Um, what was Dana White? What was his first show? It was called The Fighter, right? The Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter was on yes. TV. Yeah. And I remember Riddle. I was listening. He was doing a podcast with Edge and Christian, and he came on in the first season, and he lit- knocked the guy out first punch. And one of the reasons he was talking about leaving, and um, the UFC is because. Dana had a strict drug policy against, like, you know, like, weed and everything like that. And it's probably no question that Matt Riddle probably smokes marijuana. That guy is fried out of his mind. But um, he didn't like where Dana White said, you know, okay, you can't smoke marijuana. But, like, if you want to take HGH or, like, a supplement, like, you know, SARMs or something like that, oh, it's no problem. So him and Dana 
didn't see eye to eye in that kind of thing, and that's one of the re- many reasons that Matt Riddle left UFC. Very interesting point to bring up. Um, so we sort of went off course with a bunch of other things, but that leads me right back to the way this conversation started. The biggest thing I think that the UFC can't can uh, have these events right now would be, first of all, they just simply they're not being allowed to. Uh, the government's restricting it, and also the fact that. It's just simply unfair to these fighters who are, I mean, you're paying these guys, but for some guys, it's not all about the money. It's about legacy. You know, you want to you want to be a UFC champion. You don't want to do it all for the money. And some of these people are going through hard times taking care of their family, being away from their family to train during times like these and really put 110% effort into going out there and trying to fight. And quite frankly, it's just not fair to the fighters. Excellent conversation. Always love talking to you, Brett. My final question for the show this evening. What are you doing during this quarantine to stay busy, to stay healthy? Give us uh, what's been going on at home. Oh, so... Uh, live with my immediate family at home. Uh, my oh, that's dad, good. That's good. My good. dad, my mom, my uh, sister, and my favorite person in the house, my dog. Good, good. What's your dog's name? Charlie. Good dog. Good dog. Great dog. Okay. Um, 15 years old. Still kicking. Wow. God bless him. So, That's like 108 in dog years. Yeah. So don't call me on that number. Yeah, definitely <laughs> check the math after the show on that. But 15 times. Uh, um. Uh, shout out to my boy Mike Flynn, who might give us a listen later. Uh, this semester, me and him really picked it up at the gym and pretty much got addicted. We're going six days a week, and uh, really, this coronavirus really throwing things off of the way. I'm able to work out, so stay healthy. Um, really not go crazy eating at ho- at home as easy as it can be. Just being at home, being bored, just walking to the snack cabinet and grabbing a snack. Um, and doing some form of physical activity, whether I do pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, curls, ab roller in the garage, or running. go for a run around the neighborhood. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, I ride my bike maybe once a week. I was going to say, I need uh give us like a, a sports activity or a, a favorite leisure. You've been like watching sport games, like old sport game reruns or. Uh, so the other day they had a uh, 2011 season opener, Jets Cowboys on Sunday night football. Great game to watch. Sit back, watch that. You know, some, some uh, glory days for the Jets, even though they really were. What was the quarter? Was it days. Sanchez? Sanchez. Sanchez. Against Romo? Yes. Wow, the, those were the days. The, the legendary Darrell Rivas making the game-winning interception, of course. Wow. But, you know, look back and say, Sanchez made a great play here, 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 just, you know, waiting for our, our quarterback to be surrounded with what he had, and hopefully this Thursday we take steps in the right direction. All right, well, Brett, real pleasure, the pleasure uh, having you on the show. Uh, couldn't be more pleased with what you have to say. And uh, Ryan, didn't get too much out of you tonight, but uh, hey... <laughs> Still Listen. appreciate having you <laughs> here. Always. Love having you here. Appreciate it. This has been another episode of Third Four Thoughts. Thanks for hanging with us. Everybody stay safe, and we'll be back soon. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs>